All right, so we are recording at this point, so don't say anything. Welcome to Infill, where we discuss local San Francisco politics and policy. I'm Laura Clark with Grow San Francisco for now. And this week we're going to have two people who I am so excited to introduce. Um, I don't know how many of you guys remember, I sent out a uh, one of our newsletters a few weeks ago in the, I guess it's now months, oh god, Trump's America, um, that was basically, there are going to be a lot of people who are basically refugees from Trump's America who are going to be wanting to move here. And two of those people were trans activists out in the middle of Kentucky who were doing a crowdfunding, uh, trying to say we need to GTFO. And uh, here they are. Um, And it turns out they're 10,000 times more awesome than we could have expected. And they're going to come work with Team Yimby. So Dee and Skylar. Yeah. Hello. I'm Skylar. (laughs) And I'm Dee, um, and we have been in the Bay officially two weeks as of today. Which is ridiculous. It doesn't feel like we've been here that long, but at the same time, it feels like we've been gone from Kentucky for forever. It's it, it's interesting how a transition like that just happens, and then all of a sudden, like you're like, yeah, this is normal now. And you jumped in at the deep end of the pool because you're already watching SFGov TV and, uh, yeah, coming to uh, all kinds of weird housing stuff. Well, you know, I think it's one of those things where uh, coming from a state like Kentucky, um, very much so being uh, quote-unquote progressive people in the state of Kentucky, I mean, there we were radical liberals, here we're moderates. It's really interesting as far as political dynamics go. Um, you know, you have to be aware Um Rand Paul, Mitch McConnell, Kim Davis, Kim Davis is considered a hero there. Like, you have to be mindful and be watching and be engaged. Otherwise, you're going to turn around and everything's going to disappear um, overnight, which it did. Uh, and at the same time, I think coming from a rural state, if you want progress to happen there, you have to do it because no one else is going to. So we're really used to being civically engaged and working in, like, nonprofits and really trying to help create change. So it's a natural industry for us to jump into because it's what we know and what we know how to do. Um, so we're, meanwhile, going through this whole thing where uh, we've, we've got too many brands, which is a great thing to have as a problem for the MB movement. We've had um, you know, a lot of grassroots momentum pop up with all these different clubs and whatnot, uh, and we're all kind of like solidifying now into uh, you know, more organized, which is great. Um, and so what we've kind of decided is we're going to get rid of the Grow San Francisco brand um, and close that and, and move all of that to what we're going to call Yimby Action and uh, basically organize a lot of our SF Yimby uh, membership into a more formal organized uh, membership under Yimby Action. And Dee and Skylar are going to head that up. And like, I cannot tell you guys how excited I am about that. So I um, I am uh, kind of taking that spearhead and Skylar is definitely uh, my administrative tech mistress to my left. Um, yeah, I do branding and tech work, and so like I handle that side of it, and Dee's like headlining exactly how membership works. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting to me is is it seems that uh, Yimby is kind of at that perfect point to pivot and transition. Um, there's a lot of energy amongst this community. There's a lot of, um, like you said, grassroots organizing. Um, and while it's great to have numbers and have people who are engaged, um, regularly I'm seeing people say. What can I do? And to do that, I think 
coming together and creating a more formal structure where we're not stepping on toes, but where we're really collaborating um, and coming together as a community and, and making that uh, transition together, I think is going to be really awesome. And I'm really excited to be a part of the project. So, D, tell us some of the amazing perks that people will get when they become Yimby Action members. It's going to be an official, like whether you're going to get your official Yimby card, which I'm excited about. Yeah, um, so I think the most important part about uh, creating membership is is understanding that people join people, right? Yimby is nothing more than the force of our people. And so how do we acknowledge that and how do we build pride around that? Um, and so it does start with an official Yimby card. It starts with you are an card-carrying Yimby, and I think that that's going to be cool. And then um, really what we want to do is we want to build uh, forums for individuals to provide their voices and get involved in work, um, but also creating a merit system. So uh, we've kind of been discussing, I really like this idea of like the Girl Scout sashes with little badges, right? But like in a virtual <laughs> sense. And so creating these fun badges that acknowledge your work, not only just um, how long have you been a member? But how money? How much money have you raised? How many individuals have you brought on to our causes? How many things have you done? Are you writing? Are you you know signing petitions? What are you doing? But then also um, kind of meriting not only these virtual badges, but also creating fun things that we're already doing, right? So um, we've already really had a really awesome happy hour that just happened a few days ago that was really cool and a lot of fun. I met a lot of really cool Yimbiers, so shout out to the folks that really opened their arms and welcomed us into the group. But really kind of creating those systems where we can regularly get together as a community um, and not always doing the work, but also creating that social uh, times and, and that fun uh, community piece because like I love doing the work and it's always fun to like create change. But sometimes like I just want to like go to a happy hour and have a glass of Chardonnay and like chit chat and like just bitch about the local environment and like <laughs> things that are happening. And so I think you know. bitching is a major critical factor to the MB movement uh, that we do not want to get rid of at all while we want it to be bitching for productive uh, causes. Like, like, let me make the promise right here. Just because we're getting more organized does not mean you get to bitch less. Yeah, um, well, someone once told me, and I loved it, um, It was uh, he was a captain in the Navy um, and was retired, and we were uh, doing some really cool organizing together, and he said, never forget that a bitching sailor is a happy sailor, and I've never identified with the phrase <laughs> more so in my life, because I'm like, that is me. If I can make a petty comment while also being like, let me spotlight some problematic BS that's happening over there, like, win-win. <laughs> So some of the practical things I think we talked about, you know, having a big, uh, all the members being able to connect better on Slack. Um, so another piece of it is getting more access to more events and that kind of stuff. Um, the badges, we're going to have like a public comment badge so you can like level up. We're going to have uh, bringing new people in. So, you know, if you convert five new members, you know, you'll get a badge kind of for that. Um you know, we're trying to sort of gamify it a little bit, which yeah. I think should be fun for people. And I think it also allows individuals, and this is kind of the other part of membership, um, where uh, being a member of Yimby can kind of go several ways. But the the kind of my idealism around it is is that uh, being a card carrying member of Yimby also means that you're uh, you know actively engaged in the work and actually helping participate and kind of plan that. And so it by creating these fun badges. Not only are we going to be highlighting people uh, an opportunity to like showcase their talent, but it can also kind of directly link back to committee work, right? So um, kind of thinking about how are we 
actually coming together and, and accomplishing our goals. And so for me, I know one of the things I'm really excited about is, is one of the first things we're going to roll out is an actual membership committee where we're going to talk about retention and recruitment, but also like, how do we want this to go? I have ideas, but I'm not, I'm just one person and I want um, to ensure that, uh, that, you know, this, this organization has the, the voice of the people that we're serving. And so kind of creating badges that not only, um, can be fun and playful, but also creating very serious badges that's like, how are you accomplishing this work and, and you're engaged? And something that hopefully members of this community can like carry with pride and say, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm two op-eds away from getting my next badge. Um, and I think that that's like something fun and playful, but also something that can get really competitive. And like, I don't know about you all, but my goal is like to get as many badges as possible. Because <laughs> I'm going to then like make real versions and wear a sash. It's like B&B queen and just walk around town and be like, yes. I mean, I, I'm definitely competitive. Uh, so we'll be fighting over badges for certain. Oh, yes. And at events, like, so when we have our like big events, I mean, you know, we'll see how crazy we get. But I would love for us to have like all of the top members, like when we have a big party, to have sashes there waiting for them with Can all we of have the fans. Badges. Like yeah. beautiful Ooh, fans. Yeah. I'm here this for This is Sonia here too now joining us. <laughs> Parasols. <laughs> I, I know a guy that does uh, wholesaling of those like fun pop fans, but like not the cheap ones, but it's the ones on. that actually have a clap. <laughs> Five dollars, Chinatown, Chicago. Let's work this out. Okay, cool. Sonia, anything you want to add about membership? I'm so excited to have card carrying Yimbies. Hopefully, that means that one day there'll be a form you have to sign that says that you weren't in the Yimby party. <laughs> okay, like let's not have like, dystopian <laughs> futures brought up. The, <laughs> the only ones I can imagine. But okay. Um, I also think it'll be really fun to have people like. I want it to be more clear to people, you know, we do get a lot of people like, I want to be engaged. And we have tried to say, uh, you know, let me, like, what do you enjoy doing so that I can make sure to get the most out of you as a volunteer? And this, I think, is going to also get a little bit more concrete about what are the most productive things that our members can be doing because those are going to be the badges we want you to earn. So when people, you know, are willing to say, okay, I'm going to, like, I know public comment's really important and that's going to be more concrete. And so now you get, like, you're five times you go to public comment, you're like five time badge. And I'm really, I don't know if it's going to be sad or happy when I see someone with like a 300 public <laughs> comment badge. Right, because it's like they did a lot of work, but at the same time, yeah. if we're still having to make public yeah. comments, like, yeah. Yeah. are we making yeah. progress? Yeah. Um, so, I think another portion of uh, Yimby Action that we haven't talked about is that it really lets us rethink um, the value we're offering to people with membership and then our web presence alongside that. So like things like merchandise that can be provided to people so that they can rep BNB publicly and be like, even if they're just walking down the street, you know, they're telling people like, hey, housing is super important and I care yeah. about it. Y'all, t-shirt activism is very much so a thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think providing those opportunities in a more clear and concise way um, yeah. will be really, really helpful. And Yimby Action is also where we're going to move the, like, Yimby Handbook stuff that mm-hmm. we're working on and all of the, like... Publishing. The publishing and, and assistance to all the other groups. We're going to eventually put on, like, um, a map with all of the Yimby groups across the country so that people can connect better with all of those. Like, we're going to be turning it all into, like, a really uh, a nationally useful resource, both for every Yimby group across the country and also for all the people who want to connect with those. Yeah, and we know that by building resources, this is the best way to help grassroots organizers, right? Um, We're coming from rural space where oftentimes 
when we were doing stuff, um, if it hadn't been from, you know, other organizations being willing to cooperate with us, it was a lot of reinventing wheels, right? Well, how would we do this versus us coming together and saying, these are really solid best practices. Um, obviously, those can be deviated for personalization of chapter, but here's a good starting point. Go and do and start bringing, um, you know, the Yimby Rebel Yells right. um, <laughs> into your community because it's needed. Totally. So pivoting off of the public comment badge, which we talked about already, is the train wreck that was discretionary review and the zeitgeist hearing uh, on Thursday. Um, <sighs> so I don't even know where to start. I don't know if somebody wants... Because, like, I feel kind shadow of... Shadow controversy. Shadow scandal. Hashtag shadow it scandal. It was a huge <laughs> scandal. So even though... a. Um, astronomy is like one of the oldest human sciences and we're in the science capital of the world and it's 2017 there were two different shadow studies they disagreed about exactly how much shadow there was going to be and so obviously we got to get to the bottom of this shadow scandal (laughs) so I think we should take a step back so one like for those who don't know there's a bar called Zeitgeist um, that has a reputation legendary asshole bar (laughs) Which I don't have any problem with. Like, I, I want to say... Y'all, I no. like the bar. <laughs> I have a great time. I think it's a cool space. I do now. I think retail people, like, I think that there is a right to, for retail people to be assholes. I think there's a place for that as a barista, an ex-barista who is a bad barista. I think that it is, it is imperative that we create space in retail for retail people to be assholes like the customer's not always right the customer uh-huh. sometimes should be told to fuck off and so i want to say zeitgeist i completely respect your right to be assholes they tried to tell me that they weren't and I was that like, was the weirdest part of the meeting <laughs> is every time the president of the bar was like this is a really welcoming place I like, like what bar are you talking about Apparently he really didn't know. I mean, I don't know if he didn't. I don't know, man. Denial is a hell of a drug. I have no idea if he. I don't know. Because somebody. Okay, so let's back up again. Sorry. Zeitgeist was objecting to the fact that a uh, building going in across the street was going to cast a shadow into their beer garden, um, and therefore did this thing in San Francisco known as discretionary review. That is when the project has already been permitted, everything's going forward, and they're just like, hey guys, actually, can you re-re-re-look at this? Because we're really upset about it. So let's add another month or however long to this process, and then we all get to come back and bitch at each other. And it's been so fascinating as someone who just moved here. One, Kentucky doesn't have a housing crisis. There's a surplus of housing. And so, like, housing's not an issue there, but even more so, the amount of, like, permitting and review that goes into, like, a housing project in this city is, like, ridiculous. Because, like, you could have a project approved in, like, a month in Kentucky. And, like, that doesn't happen here. What was it like to watch San Francisco (laughs) Gun TV for the first time? Well, one, the stream didn't work that great. Yeah. Uh, But shout out. Uh, it was really interesting because like we didn't know exactly what this process held but we knew it was something to watch Um, because we know you for one and like we just knew it would be a good time Uh, but we were really dumbfounded right like we were just watching this argument over a shadow that might be cast on a private business as a result of bringing more housing to a city that's in a housing crisis like, I just don't understand how, like, 4% more shadow cast on their patio is going to, one, put them But maybe it was 7%. Maybe it was 7%. Maybe it was 7%. But don't how forget that, that it's a shadow scandal. It's a shadow scandal. <laughs> but how is that going to put them out of business? They, 
represent and say they have this loyal customer right. base. I don't think that loyal customer base is going to deviate because of a like seven percent increase. Share. And you know, like I understand like the concern, right? They're like, right. hey, we 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 normally like this idea of like you know this outdoor day drinking kind of vibe is what like saves us in financials. But I think that what they can do, like, not to be funny, but, like, I would use this as a PR campaign. I wouldn't fight it. I'd just be like, y'all, this new building, we're so thankful for housing, but this new building might hurt us because of the shadow. Come out and support us. Right. Come out and, like, yeah. I would use or it as, like, a rallying call. All the new people who are going to live in that building, you know, give them, like, a happy hour special if you live nearby. Yeah. Something right. like, there's so many ways... There are like infinite ways that they could have done this differently, but ultimately, I the thing that I have been saying is don't hate the player, hate the game. Right. Like you can't hate like a business. There is going to be an incentive for anybody. I mean, this is the thing: special interests. You know, yeah. they have yeah. an incentive to come and lobby their government and say, "Please do something to protect me." And the question is: Is the government going to say "fuck off," or is the government going to say, "Oh, let me listen so long to your special shadow things and put that as if it was, you know, equal to the housing crisis?" So, at the end of the day, for me, this boils down to: Is our system? Should it be a system that is willing to protect the interest of private individual business owners over those of the public interest when we're in such a crisis for housing? It just seems silly to me that we would take these concerns over like slightly increased shadows and elevate them so highly. Especially because it's not bad for business. There's no universe where anyone should feel bad for someone who owns a three-story building with apartments and a bar they in San Francisco, they own their building. And it's a big double wide lot. They could tear that whole thing down and build 12 stories if it was legal. In San Francisco, at a time when the neighborhood is densifying, there's more and more people who have a lot of disposable income and they're young. These are not conditions where a bar is not going to thrive. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, they, I think their premise is ridiculous, but I also, the thing that I reject most is that, like, I don't think that they should have the right to come and make the argument that it is going to hurt their business because right. one business should not be picked out as, like, special. I mean, they were saying, they wanted the reviews, like, one of the commissioners was saying that they wanted the project sponsor to pay for one of these expensive movies of the shadows of how they're going to fall throughout the entire season. No, the commissioner should pay for that if that's what they want. So that to me was like the moment where like, so while we're watching, that was like my like rage moment. Cause he goes, I think we're graphically inclined. And I'm like, you've seen a graph. They give you data. (laughs) It made me think of the part of Parson Rex when Leslie Nope goes, oh, all I have is facts and science. No one likes facts and science. And then she turns to the camera and she's like, I'm going to (laughs) lose. Right. And so we were just dumbfounded that like they had been presented with accurate data. They had explained their methodology and finding that data. And their response is, well, like, I want to see a picture. So like you as a private developer go spend your money to appease me on a project that's already been approved. But more so, I think he really didn't want a picture. What he wanted was he wanted someone to like get a camera. And like point it in the direction and just film all day and then speed it up and be like. Well, this wait, was this Dennis Richards though? Yes. Because he could Dennis also Richards. just go to Zeitgeist and well, hang no. out all day. Well, they could like was... draw lines. Whatever. There's so many ways to fix this, but like ultimately, no. He wanted one of those animated movies, right? right. Where they like oh, the projection. over the whole year, Show. over the whole year. Oh my god. Okay. And the thing is that like that burden of proof yeah. should be paid um, for either by the city, which is absurd, or by no one because this is dumb, or by no one, or by Zeitgeist. 
Well, I think it should be the person providing the DR or placing the yeah, DR. Yeah, that's true. It's their burden. Yeah, I think but the burden the of time, proof is on you, But, but they put it on the... But they the, put it on the project sponsor. Right. Because developers have infinite money, and who cares if we disincentivize housing repeatedly for generations? Yeah, well, what's, what's the, the worst that, that could happen? happen? Well, this is why people aren't developing in San Francisco, right? Because yes. like, they're being asked to do these ridiculous things. This is why people don't even apply for permits for their parking lots, because they're like, well, you know what? I'm getting money for this parking here, so why would I bother to go through all the headache that is developing that into yeah. a piece of property? And it's it means we have underutilized lots all over San Francisco. And, like, this is the other thing of, like, even the small... Oh. <laughs> DR, discretionary review, is a fucking train wreck, and we all know it. The, the DR hearing was a bunch of nuns, poor nuns, who want a soup kitchen in their neighborhood, being forced to do this, like, extra work, mobilize their base. And, like, yes, it was a good photo op for all the people who came out to support the soup kitchen. And, of course, the soup kitchen was going to make it through their DR hearing. But they should have never been there in the first place. Like, there should have been no opportunity for some nimby nasty neighbor to say I don't want there to be a soup kitchen in my neighborhood like that that, no that should not be a thing yeah it's a nuisance process it's like a process that allows you to be a worse person than you would otherwise yeah and then the other case was (laughs) this was ridiculous the other discretionary review we sat through was five single family homes that were going to be three stories instead of two stories and so we're out of character with the surrounding two story neighborhood which is like the most absurd thing I'd ever heard um, I didn't want to bring up during that hearing that the thing I was most excited about them was that ADU legislation meant that it was actually a potential of 10 units going in because that I think would have made the neighbors more upset but like there should not be a right for people to say You've already got your permits. We've already said all of this is correct. But let me just re-re-re-examine this. Right. And, like, during that that hearing, I mean, everything from, oh, maybe we should get rid of the retail space on the first floor and get rid of the five feet. And, like, to me, it was like, like, hi, this is literally a, a process to, like, say, hey, developers, we know that you've had this vision. We know you put all this money in. But we've now decided that you have to go back to step one. And, like, if I was a developer the second that happened, I would just be like, no, never mind. Well, yeah, I mean, the the hearing literally spent 25 minutes talking about whether five feet would make a difference by getting rid of the commercial space and adding residential on the first floor, which there's lots of stuff that says, like, that's not a great idea. No, it's the worst idea ever. Like, if we're going to have mixed-use, vibrant communities where you have first-story retail and people living above so that you don't have food deserts, like, there's, like, so many levels to which eat... It was a completely absurd hearing, and I, I am so angry that we play this game. And because also, the worst part is that I spoke with some of the commissioners afterwards, and they were all like, well, but the of course they're going to get their permits next time. And I was like, then why I'm going to try to keep my weeks? chill right here. I'm going to really try to keep my chill. But why do you think that that's okay, that, that basically you're telling me straight out that this is a game? That they're of course going to get their permits next time. How much? How much city time? How much of my time? How much of the developers' money? How much of everybody's time and money have you wasted to play this game where you pretend that there's a shadow scenario in which you are going to not give the permits to this housing project? To Why me, would you think that's okay? To me, it sounds like this. Like it's this game of like don't want to hurt feelings. 
Right. Um, but like at the end of the day, like do there your are job. winners and losers. Like yeah. this is the thing that like I do think that the commissioners, like many of them, want to be supervisor and like they all want to be really nice to everybody because it and, could potentially cost them the vote. Yes, and so they just want and so like let's talk about it a little more. I think we should talk about three it weeks. a little more. Three weeks. They put this off for three weeks. Like I commend the the like the individual who voted no because I was literally like I was like why is this a thing and, and that know- is a shout out to the goddess that is Commissioner uh, Christine Johnson who has been on the podcast previously she's a literal goddess so let's just I just want that to be in everyone's mind that Christine Johnson literal goddess yeah well she you know I think that she just was like for me my favorite part was when she was like why are we discussing this. This is not relevant. Well, this is not our that, decision. We talked about AHA. So Christine Johnson, because she's smart, brought up the fact that that the city could literally be literally be sued. Like there's no scenario in which they could have denied these permits because under the yeah the Housing Accountability Act, the um it was actually the staff the staffer noted in the staff report um because the staffer was actually hilarious. She was like flabbergasted. With this particular DR. She said in her presentation that she's never... She said she hadn't seen anything. She was so shocked by it. Um, the idea that they would take away two floors of housing, you know, for shadows. Which, like, she had never known such a thing. On a private business. Yeah. And uh, and then she also said that it seems so ridiculous because it's clearly against state law. Um, the, the commissioners can't reduce the density of the project... Um, without making findings that the project, if built, would, like, threaten the health and safety of the city, which is crazy. Like, housing doesn't threaten the health and safety of a city. So they can't make those findings. And so Christine Johnson was like, yes, the state law makes it clear. Like, there's nothing we can really do to this project. And that's why she was like, let's just approve it and move on. Um, Instead of playing this fucking game where we pretend for everybody that there is a world in which we would reject these permits and send it back to square one. So the thing is, they can take away the retail. Because, like, the only prohibition is don't, you know, reduce residential density. So that's why they're considering, like, shaving five feet off the top and taking away the first floor retail. But honestly, I don't, as a member of the public, like, why, why are they taking away that? our retail? And if they don't care about retail, if, okay, the, the planning department, the planning commission normally cares a lot about making sure there's first floor retail. And they're really obsessed with it, it. They were upset that we were losing an auto shop. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, yes. so whatever. So, like, let's not replace the auto shop with other different retail different that retail. people need. Yeah. Right. Well, my thing was that they were entertaining this idea that we would remove the first floor retail, replace it with residential, save the five bonus feet that you get, and somehow that's going to make a difference in the shadow cast. It's five feet. Yeah. I'm I'm six three. That's literally shorter well, than me. I mean, it, it would. It would different. be a different time of day, you know. So it's a matter of like where your seat is, like losing the shadow. But you know, I also 15 don't minutes care. different. Right? It just like doesn't really matter. But, but also I would go further than that is to say like what are we what kinds of communities do we want, right? What are we selecting for? Do we want places where you have uh housing that goes all the way down to the first floor? So then 
I mean, honestly, then Zeitgeist should be even more upset because you're more likely to have neighbors living at the first story mad that Zeitgeist is too loud. I mean, this is like overall the worst plan you could come up with. Like if we're going to build dense, vibrant, mixed-use communities where people can walk to their grocery store, I, I can't even believe I have to make these arguments. Like it's like literally the craziest thing I've ever heard that they would take away first story retail in order for a bar not to get 20 minutes of shadow. Like, like there's no universe in which that that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Right, if it were a public park or something, I understand then you want to protect the integrity of that park and its use, but this is private property at the end of the day. You know, I will go further, like I think that we put too much weight on like non-shadowed public parks as well. Like I think like we just need to like literally, literally stop being so afraid of shadows. Like San Francisco is the most shadow obsessed like place I've ever been for a cold, chilly city that like if you want the sunshine, like I don't want to be a bitch, but there's a whole state devoted to it. It is Florida. Like you like Sorry, but like, can we make California the shadow state? I because yes, that sounds wonderful. Like, I'm just like, you know, like I go to Dolores. Well, on I nice sort of had the same like, opinion was when they kept talking about it. I'm like, I'm like, how like the fog exists even in summertime. <laughs> so I don't really understand necessarily, like, in, like, I get the concern, like, I understand where they're coming from. I just, like, there was no, like, factual evidence. I really, whenever he mentioned the financial report, I wish that you would have brought us a list of, like, every day for the last year, this is how much money we have made, and during right. the summer, this is the percentage of increase we've had, and this is the, the projected potential risk. Well, no. Then and my like, Then my response would have been that, and then the justification of why we should care. Right. Like, I'm sorry, but like there are costs to everything. Every yeah. housing development has costs. And the question is, are those costs greater than the cost of not building housing? You know, because there's this is what the NIMBYs have relied upon is by saying, I support housing, but this one has a cost. That is true universally of housing projects. That is why we need to build housing everywhere, distributed in every neighborhood, so that those costs fall upon everyone equally, including Knob Hill, including the West Side, including, you know, Portola. Like, everywhere needs housing. If we, you know, you've heard it. I don't even, I'm going to stop right there. Question as a newcomer. Um, how does one get a career path in shadow studies? Because I'm hearing that it might be a lucrative like career. It is repulsively lucrative career. <laughs> All I'm saying is that I took trigonometry in high school. I definitely think that I could do the job. Well, like the baffling thing is, is like I don't think shadow studies exist in Kentucky. Like we don't well, care no. about shadows. They're a thing. They I'm happen. sure not. I mean, like I, I don't know. I go back and forth. Like yes, like to some degree we should know some of the costs of, like, development. I do think, like, knowing... Like, I'm not saying no one should ever study shadows, even though it is patently absurd. Um, But I do think that, like, we have gone so far on the side of saying, like, please, let's have more shadow research. (laughs) And and then the shadiness of the shadow studies. There are so many puns. Uh, Twitter was amazing. But it's, yes. It was a good time on Twitter. It was such yeah. a good time on Twitter. And I really appreciated the scandal theme, uh, you know, <laughs> gifs throughout the day. Um, I'm also kind of curious, and like this is like me later, I'm going to encourage other listeners to do it as well. I'm going to go home and Google, like, how many other cities do this? Like, I understand maybe from like the park perspective, but like specifically in like civic, like community building, like 
how many other spaces are talking about shadows and the importance of shadows. Well, so normally this is a thing that happens in like more suburban. I mean, it does happen in our big cities, but the places like you will have conversations about shadows. It's a question of to what degree, how frequently. This is like this is a case where discretionary review where after things have already been, everyone's gotten their permits, it's like a last chance dance. We're all going to say, I'm still mad, and so I want you guys to look at this once again. And, like, the thing is, we knew you were mad. Like, like you already made your comments at the original permitting hearing. Like, there is no reason for discretionary review to pop up again where they're just like, actually, let's... I mean... It, it is a truly broken system. I and mean, it's it's exacerbated by the fact that um, the Planning Commission is one of the most powerful commissions in San Francisco. So, like, we also have the transportation... We have different commissions mm-hmm. that do things. Planning is, like, one of the top commissions, which means then it attracts to it people who uh, have further political ambitions, you know, which for good or ill. Um, but that means that they are not necessarily always thinking about what would be best for um, the city. They are sometimes thinking about what is good for them politically. And I think that that's a broken system. Um, I think that it exacerbates the structural problems that are already there. I think the whole thing is a mess. And also, they're talking about just San Francisco. This is another case where hyper-localism. There are planning commissions for like all of these 101 freaking cities all up and down the Bay Area, each having these elaborate shadow discussions. Um, so like I was down in Millbrae. Oh my God, Millbrae. Uh, I was down in Millbrae for their hearing where they are actually legitimately discussing pegging $26,000 per unit fee on every unit of housing literally not for like the entire city of Millbrae but they just like drew out just the project on top of the BART station and you're like so you're you're saying literally like fuck this area in particular the area where we definitely need to build the most housing right on top of the BART station is where you're going to put your impact fees like and they're saying it's for parks oh it's the impact fee for oh think of the parks I mean, the only reason they're doing this, this is also the largest... It's to make money. To make money because they can't tax their citizens because of, once again, we're going to talk about Prop 13. Um, they This is a uniquely uh, California problem where we can't actually tax people. We can't tax wealth uh, because Prop 13 keeps us from raising people's property taxes. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. Milbury was depressing. But luckily, this is another HAA case where the city attorney brought up the fact that the city could be sued. And it was really fun to listen to the city council say, like, ask the city attorney questions. And the city attorney kept being like, guys, we should really talk about this in closed session. (laughs) And then the city council would be like, wait, let me ask you another question. Like, can we be sued about this? And they were like, closed (laughs) session. Right. Like, if you're going to talk about things that could incriminate us, please don't do it publicly because we'll get sued. It was so good. But you know what? Like, there's something refreshing about, like, authentic people who are just like, I have this question because I don't really... (laughs) I don't really understand this political thing, but, like, I have this question. Is this incriminating? Right. Because I think that would be me as a politician. I would just show up and just be like, I have this idea, but I also realize that there's probably a million laws that, like, I'm breaking. So, like, 
Tell me how I can do it. <laughs> You're the law expert here. When there were I'm all, just an idea person. There were all these like paid consultant jokers there. This is another like paid consultant. So they were paid by the city to come and tell them, this is why we have... Uh, they were paid by the city to come and tell them like what would be the impact. And they were basically saying, it is cheaper for us as a city for this to all be like office space and that kind of stuff. And rather than having it be homes... Like, literally just saying, hey, guys, there's an incentive for us to exacerbate the jobs housing imbalance even further. And the city is paying these people to do this. And I'm just sort of like, I mean, I got up there and I was like, I know that it might be cheaper for you to have more people commuting in for work here. But that is not what cities are for. Right. Cities are for human beings to live in. Well, isn't that a problem also in, like, Palo Alto? There's a lot of, like, we're going to build office space and just expect people to, in other cities, to build the housing to hold the people. Yeah, you've described the whole Bay Area. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's a really interesting dynamic because it's, like, eventually is, is the goal for the Bay Area to just have these, like, three cities where everyone lives and everyone, everyone just kind of leaves those three cities to, like, you know, I know three's, like... Being I know. Really like, healthy. How long can we make people's commutes, guys? I think if we think really creatively, we can add another hour to everyone's commute. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and like, well, one of the things, like, not housing related, but transportation related, is that irked me when we first got here is, is that the BART station, uh, it like the monthly pass that everyone was like, oh, well, you'll just get a monthly pass and, it, you know, it's one fee, no, no, no. Yeah, that's cool if you live in the city. And you never leave the city. And you never leave the city. But well, the also second... doesn't get you on the muni buses. You have to buy a separate pass for the muni. Like, yep. And also, okay, it took us so long to have a card, just to have the technology so that the same card could be used on muni and BART, but you still have to pay for both. Separately. Separately. Yeah. Yep. At different machines most of the time. Yeah. Like not like, oh my God. Dear tech developers listening, oh my here's God. a fortune. <laughs> you just got to do the basic. Well, there's 28 different public transportation systems that make up the Bay Area. Right. But wouldn't it be really cool if, you, like, the Clipper cards, right, like, magically had a space where you could pay for all 28 at one spot? Or, like, go online and, like, yeah, or if I'll they pay just... a third party, like, an extra dollar if they'll just do it for me. No, they just should all be one. Like, there's I mean, no... I agree. Yes, yes. Like, I don't... <laughs> like, we don't need to come up with an elaborate payment system. <laughs> we need them to be the same system and operated by the same people. I mean, like, there's no excuse. There's just none. Right. I mean, the city, I love it so much. It's such a disaster sometimes. Well, you know, I was... Um kind of talking to some folks back home and, and one of the, the common conversations is, oh, how's the culture shock? How's, like, how's it different? And I'm like, eh, shit at home, shit here. Just different shit. <laughs> you know, like, home, it's like, you're the Bible, Mitch McConnell runs king. Right, it's like, back home, it's human rights. Here, it's like, let's talk about, like, housing policy and transit. <laughs> like, for, well, you, I mean, you are, like, in, you've, you've chosen a clan, okay? Right, <laughs> true. <laughs> like, like, you could be with some people who talk more about, you know, the, but I, I guess for me, where I am, the social justice of this place is about bringing people in, is about yeah. integration, is about, you know, bringing people like you, uh, you know, out of places where you feel vulnerable and into a community that's going to welcome you with open arms. Um, yeah. I think that's, for me, that's like what, it's the most practical thing I could be working on to, like, right. advance social justice. And it's going to be for the next four to eight years, right? With, you yeah. know, Pre President Trump taking office, Oof. you're going to have Sorry. a large 
portion of young, specifically queer folks, migrating out of middle America to the coasts. And like, so that's something that this city's going to have to prepare for. Well, my thing is, is that sanctuary cities are, by its nature, transient cities. Like, the whole purpose of being quote-unquote sanctuary is come here for sanctuary. And so, like, the fact that, like... I've heard lots of like branding and lots of civil rights groups and lots of nonprofits who are like San Francisco is a sanctuary city, but then in the same breath going, but we're not making accommodations for us to continue that status. Eventually, people will stop coming here. There's not a way to succeed. I know so many people who have come here and then in five years have left. Oh uh, yeah, and have relocated. And so That's it's like, are you our... really a sanctuary city if like people aren't staying here? No, every time I send out our mailing list, like our like monthly email, I get these like sad emails. I'll get like five or ten sad emails. Please remove me from your list. I don't. Yeah, live here I don't anymore. live here anymore. I've been like I had to move or whatever. It's like that, and they're all like sometimes they tell me little personal stories of like yeah I was evicted and I couldn't figure it out, so I'm moving in with my parents. In so we rural should just America. start collaborating and like can we publish these little sad stories yeah. into a publication and be like yeah uh, just call it leaving the bay and like just be like. These are stories of people leaving um, because I think that's part of the problem is people don't realize how many individuals are leaving every day just as many people are coming in. So I don't know if I agree that that's – like I do think everyone agrees that that's a huge problem. The The problem is that some people think that there's some magic solution to that that doesn't involve building housing. Right. Like I, they, the, no the magic sense. thinking that's happening – like, I, every time I keep thinking that, like, I'm, <laughs> that it's not, that, you know, like, the people on the opposite sides have uh, incentives to think the way they do, um, and they think that they have, in general, misled a lot of the people who look to them for thought leadership. And so, you know, one of our goals is to just keep being, like, a rational voice that is you know, for social justice, that is for creating opportunity for all, you know, we just have to hit that message home because like the other side's logic breaks down. I mean, did you guys listen to the, um, like I was on the radio with Fernando Marti from, uh, the Choo Choo. I did not. I cannot say that I did. Uh, Give us the clip by clip. Play by play. Maybe I should go listen to it because, you know, I think it's a good opportunity for hearing like, this isn't me saying what they say. This is them saying what they say. Um, and to me, I listen to Fernando. And we'll, we'll include this in the show notes. I listen to Fernando talk, and it it just doesn't... It's not very logical. Um, it's kind of a lot of fuzzy thinking. And I hope that, like, I actually want to, like, put him on a pedestal a little bit more because I feel like the more he talks, the more people are going to be like, wait, that doesn't actually make any sense. Um you know, I guess that maybe that's not very nice, but I'm not actually that nice. <laughs> Neither are we. You know. You don't have to stifle your laughter. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, well, my thing is, is that like, it's, but like, that's the reality, right? And I think part of it is, is that we're building this culture where it's like fuzzy logic reigns king. Yeah. Like people are just like, like I wasn't joking earlier when oh I said, I feel like more and more I'm like I, that Leslie Nope scene from Parson and Rec when she's like, I have facts and science and no one likes facts and science and like, oh shit, I'm going to lose is a very real thing that's happening. And like, it's happening in housing. It's happening in modern day politics. It's just a lot of people want like, and don't get me wrong. I'm a feelsy person. Um, you know, I want, I want to feel good and mushy and like use your story, motivate me. But at the end of the day, like 
give me numbers and statistics and like show me the actual worth of what the fuck we're talking about. More shadow studies. More shadow studies. And graphs, because we're graphically in <laughs> <laughs>